So free cider, free fellowship is what it says. Chapter 15. Let's try to finish it tonight. Father, we thank you for uh, Lord tonight. And yeah, we diverted some uh, from what um, we normally do. But Lord, as we finish this chapter here tonight, I pray that you would touch our hearts. And Lord, I do pray for, for this fellowship. We're not better than any other church. But Lord, you honor your word above your name, as David wrote in the Psalms. And I believe you honor the teaching of your word as we go through the scriptures, chapter by chapter and verse by verse. And I believe that you are going to honor this church as we desire to come together in one spirit and one accord for the furtherance of the gospel in this time that is so needed. And Lord, we don't want our focus to just be on just, you know, a bigger building or other things. We want our focus to be on you because you'll take care of everything else. And so, Lord, I pray that that tonight that you would continue to equip us to be able to walk in wisdom and to share with others. I pray for the things coming up that you put on hearts of the people that are here in this fellowship to serve, whether it's with children or in the nursery that's so needed. Maybe you're called to work in a coffee shop or maybe to greet or do some cleaning or maybe to just be able to help out in other ways. That we want to encourage you. We, we want to help you. And for you to be able to serve the Lord and serve others and use your gifts in the body of Christ. And Father, I, I do pray that as we come, the, how those might be involved in, in just the OCC shoeboxes and uh, helping out with that. To be able to help out with Lola and Jerry with the food baskets. Lord, as we desire to, to bless Calvary kids, Lord, how we can just give in a way that means so much to them and so needed. I pray for Jamie that you would touch her and bring healing to her, that you would minister to her, that she would know that we love her and we, we just lift her up right now for you to minister to her body and encourage her and strengthen her. We miss her so much, but we know she's where you have her right now. And Lord, I just pray for anybody here tonight that perhaps is feeling just discouraged or downtrodden. Maybe as we have challenges with with, um, family members, our own kids at work, Lord, that we would know that you sit upon the throne and you love us and you're in control and we can just... Rest in what you're doing, knowing that as we look to you, that, Lord, that you're going to work in such wonderful ways. Show your faithfulness. So, Lord, we give this time to you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So chapter 15, verse 15, we read that all the days of the afflicted are evil, but he who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. So as I mentioned, the holidays coming up, as we talk a lot about Thanksgiving and being merry and, you know, goodwill towards men and, and peace and all this. And as we discover going through the book of Psalms that for us to just have joy in our hearts, it's connected to and linked to us having a heart of Thanksgiving. We are told in the New Testament, particularly with Paul the Apostle, and as you go through the book of Philippians, that he mentions being thankful repeatedly over and over again. 
And as a Christian, even though we can go through difficulties and hard times, we in loss and grief, we always have a reason to be thankful because our sins are forgiven and that we have the hope of heaven and we have the promises of God and relationship and closeness with the Lord. So having a thankful heart means that we're going to have a joyful heart. And then out of that comes the praise to him. So all three are linked together. So having a thankful heart, it means that as we do, that uh, as Solomon writes, inspired by the Spirit of God, uh, you're going to have a merry heart. And it's like a continual feast. It's just that joy unspeakable that he has for us and a peace that passes understanding that we can have daily as we're thankful and praising him and being joyful before the Lord. In verse 16, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. And better is a dinner of herbs uh, where love is in a fatted calf with hatred. And so uh, the benefit and blessing uh, that really comes from the Lord, um, you know, the fear of the Lord to have a desire to walk with him. That's where our true treasure is. Um, Even though we may seem to have little according to the world, that we have richness as we come to him and just walk with him and walk in the fear of the Lord. In verse 18, a wrathful, uh, wrathful man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger allays, or that is, calms contention. And so I think that prayer is the, cure for a quick temper. And one of the things that we see that in the New Testament, in the book of Colossians, in the book of Ephesians, that Paul, he says that we're to put off the old man, the former lust, the old nature, and we're to put on the new man. And what we're to put on is gentleness and kindness and self-control. Paul writes in the book of Galatians that those are the, the, the fruit of the Spirit, love. And we're to put off anger and wrath and all those things. And it means for us to humble ourselves and be in prayer to the Lord. We don't want to be a kind of person that is full of wrath and anger. Because as we have seen here in Proverbs, that it just causes a lot of trouble, not only for us, but the people that are linked to us in our lives. And if any of you are here and you really have a problem with anger and you're quick-tempered, you need to really give it to the Lord and seek the Lord. You need to, to, to humble yourself and say, Lord, help me. Because I can get so angry so quickly or quick-tempered. And, and maybe it may be in an area of your life, maybe towards somebody. But give it to the Lord and ask for help. And the Lord desires to just work um, you know, the Spirit in you for gentleness and kindness and, and a soft answer and um, be slow to anger. Um, and what it does is it covers contention and it brings peace into our lives. And the way, verse 19, of a lazy man is like a hedge of thorns, but the way of the upright is a highway. So again, Proverbs has been speaking a lot about the lazy man and has nothing good to say about laziness. And the Lord desires for us to work. And he indicates, we see all through scripture, God does that work is good. But here the lazy man, he always has an excuse. I can't do that. It's too hard. Trying to get through a hedge of thorns, that's too difficult. It hurts too much. And that's the attitude of a lazy man. But the one who is upright, the one who is sober and watching and, and diligent and not just working, being a hard worker, yes, that's a good trait to have. And a, a good uh, characteristics of a man or any woman is one who works hard. 
but also spiritually is what I'm talking about. We don't want to be lazy spiritually. And in the New Testament, it talks a whole lot about being sober and vigilant and, and uh, being diligent and watching. And uh, the lazy person spiritually will not do that. And so uh, we are to uh, be ones that uh, the man of understanding, uh, or that is uh, the one of upright, uh, his way is a highway that is a lot smoother sailing. Verse 20, a wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish man despises his mother. And folly is joy to him who is destitute of discernment, but a man of understanding walks uprightly. Discernment is so important for us to have as a Christian. I was reading Warren Worsby in this section. He's the pastor of pastors. I love his commentaries. But Warren Worsby said something that I agree with. He said one of the great uh, things that is lacking in the church today is discernment. And I really believe that because I see that with Christians. I mean, look how many Christians get involved with the craziest and kookiest things that are out there. The whole prosperity movement and other things uh, because they don't have discernment. And the way for you and I to have discernment is to be students of the Word of God. And that's why it's so important that we go through the Scriptures and continue through the Scriptures and that you be a student of the Word of God as well. That you continue to have your daily devotions and be reading the Bible because of all the voices that are out there today, if you don't know God's Word, if you don't have discernment, then you're going to be fooled and you're going to get deceived. And I see a lot of Christians that chase after things that come blowing through the church or in society that tells us how we are to live and is completely contrary to the Word of God. So we are to have discernment. Now there is the gift of discernment that is mentioned in the spiritual gifts in the New Testament. And there are those, even in this fellowship, that just have that gift of discernment. They're able to say, something's not right here. Or watch out for this. Or, or whatever it may be. But all of us are to have discernment, especially when it comes to living and what we do and where we go and what we participate in and what it is that we allow into our lives. And yet Christians lack that because they don't know the word of God. So we're to test the spirits to see if they are true. The way to test the spirits is to be a student of the word of God. And if you don't know the word of God, you're not going to have discernment and you're going to get deceived in the day in which we're living in. In verse 22, without counsel, plans go array. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. And so counsel is good. And the implication here is godly counsel. And one of the things that I have men here uh, at the church that I've known for years that I can talk to and, and I can get counsel from them. And I trust their counsel and it's godly counsel because they're godly men. And I so deeply appreciate that. And I get other pastors that I can call and, and talk things through with them. And I so appreciate their counsel as they give to me that godly counsel. And it's good for any of us. That's why relationships are good. To build those relationships in the body of Christ, to have a brother and sister that can help you in giving you godly counsel. And, and having godly counsel is the way to be established. And 
And so I just want to encourage you to develop those relationships to where you do have counsel. And without counsel, plans go away. We have the counsel from the Word of God. He's the wonderful counselor from godly men and women. And in the multitude of counselors, they are established as well. Listen, when you come here on Wednesday nights and you come here on Sunday mornings or you come here at other times when Bible study is going on, you're getting counseled. Counseling is going over the pulpit from the word of God that is given to you. And I know that as the church grows and, and more and more people are coming, sometimes people maybe get a little bit frustrated because Pastor Jeff won't want to see you. And I want to make myself available to you. But you got to remember, there's a whole lot of you and only one of me. And so sometimes I'll say, well, I'm going to pass you on to Pastor John. He's going to tell you the same thing from the word of God that I'm going to be telling you. Or, you know, I'll say, you know, you need to wait a little bit. Or, hey, we're going to be talking about that very subject on Sunday morning. Come and make sure that that you receive the word of God in that counsel and we'll pray for you. Well, I don't have time. So it's really important to be in fellowship in church because you're getting counsel. To be with other brothers and sisters and talk about the things of the Lord because that counseling has taken place and you can benefit from it and you'll be established by it. In verse 23, and a man has joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. And I like this verse. Speak with wisdom and with grace, building people up. Man has joy by the answer of his mouth. Isn't it wonderful to just talk to somebody? There's just joy in them and it, and it shows in the way that they talk. And they're uplifting and they're encouraging. Uh, not in a flaky kind of way or a fake kind of way. Just somebody that the way that they talk, man, the joy of the Lord. And it's really a benefit and a blessing. And again, I pray that takes place as we fellowship out, you know, afterwards and, and get together and, and encourage one another in small groups and all of this. That just, you know, joy is there and speaking those things that will bless others and, and to be able to speak with wisdom and grace and bring in joy to others as we do that. A word spoken in due season, how good it is, isn't it? I mean, we get dumped on enough out there in the world. And some of you come in on Wednesday nights, you've been beat up. You've been beat up by those at work or boss or maybe people that you're dealing with, customers, whatever it is. And it's a good place for us to be, to just be here and be able to be blessed uh, as we talk to one another. And a man has joy by the answer of his mouth. In verse 24, the way of life winds upward for the wise, that he may turn away from hell below. You know, the wise person realized that there is a heaven. And the way to heaven is through Jesus Christ, that he is our salvation. And that's why we want to keep our eyes on the things above. And he also realizes that there is a hell and hell is real. Now, again, there's some popular speakers in the church today and authors that are telling us that there is no hell. Rob Bell telling us, you know, love wins. There is no hell. Sold many, many books amongst Christians, deceiving many that are saying that there is no hell. And we're hearing more of that even behind the pulpit. You know, Jesus talked about hell. We're going to see that when we move into chapter 2 of Luke. And in Luke chapter 16, he tells that story of Lazarus and the rich man. We'll go over it. But that's a true story. It's not a parable. 
And he tells the parable of Abraham's bosom and then the, uh, you know, the, the abode of the unrighteous dead on the other side and the chasm between them. And it's real. And part of the gospel message is, yes, Jesus loves you and he died for you and he wants to save you. But if you reject that, hell is real. And we see that in the book of Revelation, that at the end of the millennium reign, the unrighteous dead will be resurrected and stand at the great white throne judgment. And they will be sentenced to out of darkness, to the lake of fire for all eternity. And sometimes people will have the attitude of, oh, you know, hell, no big deal. Kind of like it's going to be a big party and I'll be there with all my friends. It isn't going to be that way at all. It's foolish if anybody thinks that way. We learn from Luke chapter 16, Abraham, can you send Lazarus over, dip his finger in water and touch my tongue? I'm so thirsty. Can you imagine all of eternity being thirsty? Hell is real. And that's why we want to be about the kingdom. And it breaks our heart to see people that maybe aren't easy to love or come against us But you see, this is the worst it gets for us. It gets a whole lot worse for them if they reject Jesus Christ. So we got to keep the eternal perspective, folks. Keep our eyes on the things above and on heaven. And we have a wonderful future ahead of us, but also to know that hell is real. And the one who's wise, that's the way that he will, you know, be able to look at things and, and, Uh, to know that the way of life winds upward for the wise, that he may turn away from hell below Sheol. And the Lord will destroy the house of the proud, but he will establish the boundary of the widow in verse 25. And God will deal with pride. We've seen a lot of uh, verses about the proud and pride and how the Lord will come against those who are prideful. And the thought of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, and the words of the pure are pleasant. And he who is greedy for gain troubles his own house, but he who hates bribes will live, verse 27. If you're greedy, you're going to trouble your own home. We talked about Achan, remember, last time? Achan in the book of Joshua, when they went against Jericho, and the Lord said, don't take any of the accursed things, don't take any idols. And what does Achan do? He steals the Babylonian garment. He steals, you know, some of the things that belong, the first fruits to the Lord. He hid it. And he brought trouble not only to himself, but to his household and to the whole nation. We look at Balaam in the book of Numbers. Balak, the king of Moab, wanted to to hire him to to prophesy against, you know, the um, children of Israel that were coming up into his territory. And and Balaam said, I can't do that. I, I can't prophesy against them. But he wanted the money. He wanted the money, so he said to Balak, he said, this is what you do. Get all your women, your young ladies, you know, to go down into the camp of the children of Israel and seduce the men and bring your idols, introduce idolatry and morality, and then God will have to judge them, and that's what happened. And so God dealt with the children of Israel at that time, but then Moses would go to war against the Midianites. He would go to war in that area. And as you look at the casualty list, guess who's listed of being killed? It was Balaam. He sure didn't enjoy it very long. And that's the thing. 
You can be greedy for more and more and more, but you're not going to have it for very long. And you can't take it with you. You know, there's a, a saying that I heard a couple of weeks ago. It doesn't do you any good to be a rich man in hell. And the thing is, is there's, it's not a sin to be rich, to be blessed as the Lord blesses us. But you see, you were rich in Christ is the priority. And to store up our treasures in heaven, to keep a heavenly proper perspective is what we are to do. The heart of the righteous studies how they answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. Again, study to show yourself, approve a workman who need not be ashamed. We want to give wisdom to others. And the Lord is far from the wicked, verse 29, and he hears the prayer of the righteous. You know, he hears our prayers. And we saw that all through Psalms as David said, incline your ear to me, O Lord. And it's so wonderful to know that God hears our prayers. But there are things that can hinder our prayer. The psalmist writes in Psalm 66, verse 18, that if you regard iniquity in your heart, he will not hear us. In other words, if there's sin in your heart, you're regarding iniquity in your heart, and you're praying, Lord, bless this, he's not going to bless it. He's not going to bless sin and carnality. And those things that are outside of his will. That can hurt us spiritually. So we want to be one. So that's why, again, we want to be sensitive to the Lord. We want to be, you know, ones that, Lord, I want to line up with your will. That we want to delight ourselves in the Lord. And he'll give us the desires of our heart. We also know that husbands, in First Peter chapter 3, that we are to live with our wives in an understanding way. And there's a warning that's given there that if we don't, then our prayers are hindered, husbands. If we're not living with our wives in an understanding way, that is that the things that are important to them need to be important to us, that we're listening to them, that we're encouraging them. And the word of God says that our prayers are hindered. So we want to make sure that, Lord, here's my heart. See if there's any wickedness, any iniquity that's in my heart. And Lord, test me and try me, as David would say, and lead me to the way everlasting. And Lord, I, I want to live with my wife in an understanding way because that's where our ministry starts, husbands. And to love them as Christ loves the church and delight ourselves in the Lord and to know that he hears our prayers. And then in verse 30, the light of the eyes rejoices the heart and a good report makes the bones healthy. So, you know, uh, God uh, f- is for us and we have God's light that is in us. And then as we finish the chapter, I told you we finished tonight, that the ear that, hear, uh, that hears the rebukes of life will abide among the wise. And he who disdains instruction despises his own soul. But he who heeds rebuke gets understanding. And the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. And we've talked a lot about this. We're to be teachable. You know, it takes real humility to receive reproof, correction, even rebuke. You know, if we're prideful, we won't listen to instruction. We won't listen to correction, and it's for our own hurt. But as we humble ourselves to receive that correction from the Lord, first of all, and even from a brother and sisters, and there's a right way to give that out of love, out of gentleness, out of a desire to see them, you know, do well in the things of the Lord. You're doing this, and brother, you're heading down the wrong road. You're going to get hurt with this sin. You're going to get hurt with whatever correction we bring to them. That needs to be our desire. 
that they do well. But it takes real humility, doesn't it? And I'll speak for myself. To receive that correction and instruction from another brother, you know, in the Lord. But I know it's very necessary for me to be able to humble myself and to receive that and pray about it. And as we do, you know, the Lord's going to use it for our good and for our benefit. But pride, pride just pushes all that out, and it's not a good thing. May we be teachable always, always desiring to grow in wisdom, being humble before the Lord as he teaches us, and being established in the godly counsel of others as we've seen tonight. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for tonight. And, and Lord, I thank you that I was able to just share with my heart some things and, um, about this wonderful fellowship and Lord, to be able to finish this chapter and as we continue through Proverbs, may we just grow in your wisdom and take in your word. I thank you for Wednesday nights again being a big part of, you know, our weekly schedule and all those who come after work, um, after a long day, after school, after sports, these kids are coming. Um, I just, I'm very grateful for all of them. And Lord, I do pray, we pray, uh, Lord, that we would be instruments of truth in the day in which we're living in the gospel message. And even as we proclaim it tonight that Jesus Christ came and died for our sins and he rose from the grave and he's alive. And if there's anyone here in this building that you want to know the gospel message, it is this, that Jesus loves you and we've all sinned. And that's why he came to die for you, to take care of the sin problem. He made atonement for your sins on that cross. And he shed his blood. He redeemed you. It's all the gold and silver in the world couldn't redeem you. It's only by the precious blood of the lamb. And he was put into a grave and he rose again. And he's alive and he sits at the right hand of the father. And he's going to come back. He's going to establish his kingdom. And he loves you. And he wants to save you. Have you given your life to Jesus? It isn't about a church. It isn't about trying to be a good person. It's faith in Jesus Christ. He is your hope. And you can receive Jesus, forgiveness of sin, that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If that means anything to anyone, maybe you're listening on a live stream. Maybe you're listening in this message on the radio at a later time. But give your life to Jesus. Call out to him. Say, Jesus, I come to you, a sinner. And I come in faith believing that you're the son of God who died for me and you rose from the grave and you're alive. And I ask that you be my personal Lord and Savior. And I thank you for this new beginning. And I thank you for your love for me. And help me to know you, to learn about you, to walk with you all the days of my life in Jesus' name. And if anybody here, you prayed that prayer, when we conclude here in just a minute, I want you to come up and tell me the decision you made. But for all of us, we want to walk in wisdom. We want to be used of you. Lord, I pray for us as Calvary Chapel, individually and corporately, that we would be ones that are giving the gospel, giving the truth of God's word, establishing people in truth with our counsel, to be a witness, to be a light. Lord, I pray for all that are here that are considering how is it that I can further the kingdom. How can I get involved in serving? How can I give in this time of year? 
to invest in the kingdom of God, to invest in, in kids in the Philippines, invest in those in Greeley here in Weld County that are hungry and can't buy a Thanksgiving meal or a Christmas meal. To be able to invest time with the children or watching the kids. To make a cup of coffee for somebody. How I can give a word of encouragement to somebody new that's coming in to bless them. and To be willing to give up a seat or be willing to, to you know, sacrifice you know, just a little time to talk with them and encourage them that people would perceive the love of Jesus Christ here in the presence of the Lord. That this would be a hospital for those who are hurting and those who are downcast. So Lord, I thank you for what you're doing here. And may we be humbled before you, seeing it as a privilege to be used of you in the days in which we're living in. I pray you take everyone home safely. Bless our day tomorrow and in the rest of the week. We look forward to gathering once again on Sunday. Thank you for all the young people that are here. Take everybody home safely. And, and Lord, help us get a good night's sleep. And Lord, wake up and look into you. Start our day with you. Growing in your word, knowing you more, having discernment, and walking in the joy of the Lord. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. 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 Would you please stand? If you need prayer.